I'm Hewins. And I'm Sun. And we're both aspiring writer-directors here in Atlanta, Georgia. And in the past, over the course of the past year, you wrote five feature film scripts and you've got them looked at by real readers in the industry and gotten notes on it, rewritten them, polished them, and uh, you're looking to get them made into movies. So you selected one of them to make a proof of concept for. Yeah. So what exactly, you know, why did you choose to make a proof of concept for it? And kind of what is the process for making a proof of concept? Yeah. Um, so when you when you write a screenplay and you want to make a movie out of it, um, and you're kind of going the independent route, you uh, or you're trying to raise funds, you're trying to get um, investors involved or a production company or producers attached to your screenplay, or you're trying to attract uh, talent, then you need something to show other than just the, the screenplay because. Trying to get somebody to read a screenplay is not easy. It's pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then, then even if you're writing a synopsis, which maybe is one or two pages, or even down to a log line, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to get somebody's attention. So I uh, also worked on some pitch decks, uh, which are a slide deck of, you know, I mean, it varies, 10, 15, 20 pages, uh, just all about your story. And uh, all the, you know, if you have stars in it or people you want in it, you put them in the pitch deck. Um, But I decided to go that extra step and make a proof of concept. And that is a short, either either a teaser trailer or, you know, a scene from your Mm -hmm. film. And I decided to go with a scene from my script because of a couple of different reasons, budget considerations. Um, If you did a teaser trailer, you know, most trailers have shots from throughout the movie so all different scenes you try to get action stuff and some dialogue that's key so to do that we would have had to have filmed a lot of different locations mm-hmm. day interior exterior night whatever multiple uh, mul- actors. multiple actors so it was starting to look like it would be pretty expensive now you can do that on a budget but my goal going into this uh, was to try to film this at the level I would aspire to. So I wanted to shoot it so if somebody saw it, it would look like a scene out of a feature film they would see, you know, put out by Sony or Disney or, or you know, Paramount, anybody. So I kind of knew that I needed to think about that. And, you know, you can do a teaser trailer. I've seen some where people have pulled stock footage and put something together to give kind of a feel for their movie or maybe they've pulled scenes out of other movies like I saw a guy doing a war movie and he had pulled you know something from Saving Private Ryan and you know different movies and put Mm -hmm. them together to kind of and then a voiceover told the story but I wanted to not only not only did I want to show the level that I wanted to shoot at or aspire to also wanted to show off the writing and my directing abilities because I would like to direct it Mm -hmm. Uh, so I picked a scene that what you know we could shoot. It was one location. It was two actors, and it was a very dramatic scene. In fact, it's the first plot point. It's the first turning point of the film. So I knew that if I could pull it off, it would be something to showcase. You know, I could be proud of it. It would show people, oh, this is the look he's going for. You know, look at the writing in this scene, and he directed these actors. Mm-hmm. 
So that's why I chose to do a proof of concept in, in that style. Right, just extracting a scene that sort of really you felt like got the tone of the story across. Yeah, I mean, we looked through it. I mean, I think it was uh, me, you, and Roxy, who Roxy en ended up being our uh, casting director and producer. And we went through the script and, and you know, kind of highlighted, hey, I think this scene would be cool to shoot. This would be cool to shoot. You know, does it tell the story? Is there enough meat in it to show yeah. your talent and everything? And that's why we settled. We all kind of agreed this would be the scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, what I like about going with the, the scene that you chose out of it and possibly for anybody who wants to be a writer-director taking a scene out of something is that it is a scene that shows the core relationships between the characters, the main right. characters, because uh, I think that's really what's going to show people that this is not just another movie in that genre that, you you know, for anybody who's doing it, this is not just another, where if you just showed the synopsis, it might not be able to get as deep yeah, exactly. So it is. It's a it's a movie about an Afghan vet, and you know there have been other movies about Iraq and Afghanistan, and you know while they're they're tremendous movies and there's a lot of drama and tension and everything in it, I kind of wanted to focus more on the uh, you know character growth of the lead character, and that needed to involve his wife mm -hmm. and their relationship. So that really helps uh, in this scene to see this scene. All right, so um, do we want to get into the process of... Uh, yeah, yeah. Here's some of the stuff that I wrote down that I thought was key. All right, so uh, how do you choose a, a style and uh, the, talking about the budget considerations? Yeah, and that's what I was talking about, uh, you know, whether you pull one scene from the movie or whether you're doing like the teaser trailer. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because I wanted to showcase or... or or present it at the level where I wanted to, you know, aspire to. Uh, that doing a teaser trailer would have been hard if I shot all original footage. Right. And I just, you know, I didn't feel comfortable doing stock footage. And I didn't feel comfortable, you know, taking scenes from other people's movies. And, um, you know, so that's why I chose this style of, of proof of concept. All right, let, let's uh, we talk about practical location or set. Yeah, so then we had to consider, all right, uh, it was a lot of people will talk about contained thrillers or if you're going to shoot a movie, you know, try to keep the lo number of locations down so that's a bu budget consideration because every time you move locations, it costs money to move crews. Uh, so we were lucky that this scene all took place within one room in a house and it was a kitchen. And we could either go with a practical location, try to find a house mm -hmm. that we could shoot in. Um, our house just style-wise didn't fit the image in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I looked around um, and, and never could find an, a real location that would work. Plus, we were still kind of in COVID and going in other people's houses. Was a little bit of a right, and, you know, consideration. And did, did you already mention was I lost in this? tightness, the space of everything, you know, just yeah. Well, if you're shooting at a real location, somebody's house, getting the lights in, you might not have as much control. You, you don't have as much control. And on my first feature, we built sets, so every location we had built an interior set, and it's so nice to be able to fly the walls out, you know, bring in lights above. Mm -hmm. You can really control the environment a lot better. And so we, we decided that, 
we would build a set and we rented a studio and built the set. Um, we, you know, we built it here at the house, but then took it and re, uh, um, put it back together right. uh, at the studio. So, you know, it allowed us a lot more control. Yeah, so if you are making a proof of concept and you're building a set for it, know that you can build a set. It's been done in a smaller space than actually needed to set up the whole thing. You can assemble it in pieces. Well, you're, you're going to link to the behind-the-scenes yes. footage. So you'll be able to see where we built the set, which was in our carport, and we had to bring the flats back in the house every night so they didn't get, you know, wet or anything or stolen. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So then also, uh, if we could talk about pre-production uh, and just, we only had one day to shoot this and this might have been fortunately one of the smoothest on-set experiences I've ever had, so. Yeah, and a lot of the crew said that. And so, you know, I'm always a big proponent for just doing a lot of pre-production, maybe more than is needed, but I don't see that. I want to make sure that I have every base covered so that Murphy's Law doesn't come and rear its ugly head. Uh, and then once we get to the set, then we can be creative and we, you know, have the time to get things done. So knowing that we had just one day, we had the two actors, and knowing that they were on a very busy schedule uh, that we couldn't really run over. So I made sure that pre-production, we covered every possible contingency of, you know, what if this happens, what if this happens, and let's make sure that the shots we're going for, uh, we know they're going to work. And you know, so, I mean, I, I'm all for creativity, and we, you know, some things changed on mm -hmm. that day, but you don't want to just fly by the seat of your pants if you have a limited budget, you have limited time, and you know, your actors have to be somewhere the next day. So we storyboarded it. Yeah, so we, what, here are some practices that you can do to make sure that you're at least thinking about pre-production. These are legitimate practices that you can do on every film. Right, right. So. You know, besides all the stuff about you know, pre-production as far as like casting and all, I, I'm, I'm thinking about the planning. So yeah. for me as a director and writer, um, doing storyboards, and they can be just stick figures. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Uh, I did set diagrams so I could look at it overhead and find out where I wanted to place the camera, which then later helped me to uh, determine the shot list, you know, because you, have, you want to limit the number of camera setups because that just takes time. Uh, we did a, even a little animatic type pre-visualization and then, uh, you know, you'll never see this footage, I don't think. Don't leak this out. But we did the acting and set the camera up in our kitchen and, you know, did all the shots the best we could in our environment uh, and then edited it all that together to see if these shots I had in mind would actually look good together. And what we found were some of them just were a little jarring going from this angle to this angle or, you know, a close-up to this medium shot uh, in in the proof of concept, the actress breaks a plate and we had to think about that. How are we gonna have her break the plate? We had breakaway plates so she could break several, but I was concerned about her safety. I didn't want like a shard of you know plate to hit mm -hmm. her in the face. Uh, so we had to think about that and how we could get the camera angle and that, all that helped out. So we had that figured out before we got on the set. We still tweaked a lot once we got on the set, but it was helpful to have already pre-shot it and pre-edited it. Right. Can't always do that, but we were lucky to do that. Mm -hmm. 
All right. And were there any other? That that was really all like the pre-production. Well, then uh, you know, from a director's standpoint, working with the actors, I wanted we had a because one was out of town, one was in town, but we still didn't get together. We did it over Zoom. Uh, we you know did some read-throughs, some table reads, and I had before we did that, I had individual calls with the actors. I made copious notes throughout the script. And so I, I knew kind of the way I wanted the actors to, to read, how I wanted them, them to feel, the emotions I wanted to come through. But I wanted to give the actors the ability to bring their creative, the professional creative experiences to those roles. So I had a call where I talked to them about how do you like to work with a director? Mm-hmm. You know, what can I do to make you feel comfortable, to feel at ease, and for you to bring the best performance? So by doing that, I got some feedback from them and was able to work with them one-on-one. And then once we got together, um, you know, work with them as a team. And so just, you know, thinking those things through, making sure they understand, you know, all of the nuances in the script and, um, you know, answering questions for them. Plus, this was one scene out of a feature film. So I think maybe one of the actors had read the entire script, the other one hadn't. So I just had to give a little backstory on the character so they would know where they were coming from and where they were going to, you know, in this scene. Mm-hmm. So that was that was sort of the rehearsal yeah. process, and you did it completely over Zoom. Yep. So you know, I, I think that should be taken note that you know Zoom calls work for that and yeah it was fine it was fine yeah once again that day on set was so smooth so just doing all these things beforehand it's like you think about however much time it took preparing that time could have been time added on if you left that for the day yeah if i left it for that day you know yeah it totally would have taken two days instead of one right uh because once we were there I, there was very little dialogue between me and the actors. Yeah, they knew where, what they were doing, and I watched it, and they nailed it. They were professionals. They were yeah, excellent. Was amazing. You know, I maybe said, "Can you try it a little different for a second take? Let's just give a little different feel." Or somebody said, "I don't feel right in this space." You know, because things change, and you want that creative, you know, energy to flow there. Yeah. So that's awesome. And, and I, I, we had already blocked it, so I didn't. You know, there was no. God, how, how's he going to walk into the room? And what's she going to do? And when she turns, then right. what? You know, so we already had that done. Right. And we also had um, the special effect of the wheelchair mm-hmm. prop uh, with Jason, our lead actor in that. Yeah. Um, so we had brought that to him over to his house to test out beforehand as well. Yeah. So the, the story is about an Afghan vet who loses both legs. So he's a double amputee. And... You know, while I would love to use an actor that's that is really an amputee, mm-hmm. um, you know, to find those, to find somebody that is a that caliber actor and is a double amputee is is not easy. And if I do the feature, I will definitely do an extensive search. But I knew that just trying to do this proof of concept, it's you know, it's a proof of concept. So um, we found an actor that we were, you know, super excited about his abilities. But we had to figure out how to present that. And, uh, you know, I looked around at a lot of different things. I even called that one company that had handled the 
the movie where the girl had her arm bitten off by the shark. Yeah. And, and that gentleman gave me some you know interesting ideas. So we took this wheelchair and had some special effects friends that live in the neighborhood. And we worked together to alter it so that uh, the actor could step down through. He had pants that were tied up to show where his legs you know, were amputated. And, but we needed him to kind of play around with that. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to wait till the day of for him to jump in this thing. And you know, is he too tall? Does it not work? Yeah. Is he uncomfortable? You know, then he's awkward. So we took it down ahead of time and, and let him get in it and roll around. And you know, one thing he found was that it, it was uncomfortable, but he used that to uh, you know, inspire his his pain and struggle as yeah. you know, as an actor. So. Yeah, he was definitely willing to bear through the discomfort. And he he stretched on set as well. Yeah. I saw him stretch. So you know, that was amazing. <laughs> anyway, casting. So do you want to kind of get into the casting process a bit? Yeah, you know, I mean, anytime you're casting anything, uh, you and once again, I was wanting to go at a professional level. So I was willing to invest the money and the time to get professional actors because. You know, I wanted I wanted the performance. I wanted to showcase that I, as a director, could work with professional actors. So you know, it's different if you know friends and you have friends that are actors and you just pull them in to shoot something. Uh, but we went with a national search uh, script breakdown. I believe is the the service that we used. Uh, luckily, we were shooting one scene, and so that was the perfect scene for them to read. Uh, and we took audition tapes. We gave you know, the descriptions that, that we needed to get for the actors we were looking for and the characters. And they, you know, we culled through the, the responses and chose the ones we wanted to come and do a read. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, that was a, a fun process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the toughest part is trying to choose. There were so many good ones uh, and it's like, oh man, you know, I hate I hate to cut this, but you had to choose. Yeah. Um, but luckily, I feel like we got two super strong performances. Oh yeah, I'm very fortunate for the actors you went with. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think uh, the crew. Let's talk about crew side of things. What What is uh, most important with when you were thinking of who you want? You know, why didn't you just have me there with this camera <laughs> recording it? You know what? Well with the microphone yeah uh so once again trying to shoot for that level of professionalism i i made sure that i found people that that could get that you know that level right. and you know so I, I there were really three key components that i that i wanted and that was the dp the gaffer who handles the lighting and sound so i, I knew i really needed folks to be, you know, extremely experienced in those three areas. So, you know, I looked at I looked at films that I liked. Um, you know, looked at a lot of DPs' reels, interviewed them. You know, I had done my research on my end and, and showed them. And this is what I like. This is the look I'm going for. This is the feel. Here's the scene. This is what we're trying to show. You know, it's gritty. It's going to be dark. It's it's a heavy scene. You know, so. I was able to show them some examples mm -hmm. and then ask them, you know, how would you get this look? You know, what would you do for camera movement? Uh, you know, what is your style? Um, what cameras have you operated? You know, you know, I've talked to several people that had never worked on hiring cameras. Uh, and, you know, that was the way that I was able to find the DP. 
And then same thing with lighting and then just looking at someone's, uh, the things that they've lit and then being able to say, okay, this guy can handle that and getting references. I, I knew people that had worked with these folks. Um, and the sound guy turned out to be great for a couple of reasons. He was one guy. So he operated as the sound recordist and mixer and his own boom operator, which was interesting. But the thing that sold me on him was the fact that his main gig was sound design. So he is more into the post-production and therefore he knows what he needs from the people on set. And a lot of times, you know, you have people in post-production that never talk to the people that are shooting and there's a disconnect. So he knows while he's on the set, if he doesn't get it recorded the right way, then he's going to be struggling in post-production. So that's what really sold me on him. And, and it, it turned out great. I couldn't be more pleased. I mean, mm -hmm. he did a wonderful job. But those things, you know, a lot of people now can get a great look. But, you know, as a DP, do they know how to move the camera and, how, you know, the focal lengths, the lenses to choose? Um, the gaffer, does he know how to tastefully light? Does it, look, does it look like lighting? Does it look natural? You know, what are you trying to achieve? Another thing we did was we used haze which is kind of, you know, a lot of big films use haze. Some people use filters, uh, but it makes a big difference. It gives you that film look. And, and we went with the industry standard, you know, Aerie Alexa. So, you know, yes, it costs a good amount of money to rent it, but I think it pays off in the end. All right. And, you know, speaking of that Aerie Alexa, what about, do you want to talk about insurance at all? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, once you get into this, it's the film business. So there's the business side of things. And renting a studio, taking our set that we built, bringing in people that we don't really know, um, you know, you're putting yourself at a liability. Uh, also, the, the rental company required a certain amount of insurance to cover their camera. This is a $100,000 camera. And I had to have very specific insurance. And it was, it was not easy to find it. It took a while to, to network around and find the the carrier that could handle it. In fact, I don't think it came through until noon on the day before the shoot, causing a little bit of extra stress and anxiety there. Uh, and I can't remember the final cost. You know, it may have been around a thousand dollars or something, but now I have the insurance for an entire year, but you know, I needed it to cover me because you don't want to go in there. The camera gets knocked over, broken, and then you're spending, you know, 50 grand to pay for this camera. Somebody steals it. You know, the set that we build falls on an actor, you know, so it, you got to look at it as a business. You have to be smart about these things. Mm -hmm. All right. And um, let's let's talk about with that uh, equipment rental. Uh, do you want to talk about that or props, wardrobe, makeup, special effects? Let's yeah. Talk about so, some special effects. so luckily our gaffer had a truck and he threw it in the deal. His his fee and everything it was all bundled into the deal. So we had access to, I think he brought his, his five-ton grip truck. So, you know, it, it was a lot of equipment and way more than we needed. I mean, we probably have enough lights that we own that we could have done it, um, but it, it was all right. We did have to rent the Hazer, which is something I didn't have. Um, the sound recordist came with his own kit, so he had all his own equipment. Um, the DIT came with his own equipment and monitors and he set up there. Um, what was the other about set construction or set? Uh, props. 
Props. Yeah, so props. The feel for this was going to be that this was a young military couple that probably lived off base in a small southern town. So they were probably living in a 50s, 60s styles ranch. They didn't have a lot of money. So um, my inspiration was uh, a David Fincher film that was shot in a kitchen. And it was, I think it was a period piece from the 70s. And and so that style and feel and look kind of appealed. So it was was fun to get on eBay and search for props. We, We searched some of the local thrift stores, found some things there, but found some stuff at a good price on on eBay. Zodiac by David. Oh yeah, Fincher. Zodiac was the film. David Fincher with yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. This scene is with Jake Gyllenhaal uh, and I forget the other actress's name, but they're in a kitchen. Yeah, and there's their kids are there, and there's like a phone call scene in there. But this was so great about having this specific reference that you know if you can find reference from real movies that are made by you know professionals like that. Uh, that you can really pull from for the set deck. It can help you if you're not experienced with set deck. It can help you find props that, you know, otherwise you might be thinking, well, how do I come up with all these props? Exactly. And, and set deck is something that, you know, it's attention to detail. You, we could have shot here in my kitchen, but it's newer, it's clean, you know, or you should, could have shot at Uncle Bill's house, you know, but it's going to look like Uncle Bill's house. So we were able building the set. We could do anything we wanted to. We aged it, you know, and we had somebody professional come in that's a neighbor. Luckily, you know, we have him here in the neighborhood. It's kind of crazy. But having that reference and seeing how they, you know, placed things. Uh, and so it, there's a, there's, it's an art. And if, it, if it's not done by a professional with an eye for detail and composition, then it's going to look odd. It's going to look out of place. It's not going to look, I mean, it's part of the film look. It's just as important as you know a LUT you're using, mm-hmm. or the camera, or the lens, or, or oh, what, yeah. or wardrobe, costume. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's set deck is super important. All right, um, you have scheduling and logistics on here. Yeah, I think that kind of goes back to the pre-production okay. uh, and just you know getting everything scheduled out and all the stuff that we had to do ahead of time and Roxy and you know the three of us had to do ahead of time right uh, logistics there wasn't a ton of it we had people a couple of people that came in from out of town and they were we put them close by in a hotel so they stayed overnight there uh, we made sure that the catering was close by so it wouldn't take too long those were some of the things yeah the catering if you can find a place that is nice enough to like have sandwiches and salads and soups that is like perfect. Yeah, and, and that was like just five minutes, less than five minutes away, right across the street. Yeah, so get that catering figured out ahead of time. Yeah, um, and then uh, I think this is really the last thing to talk about: are call sheets, contracts, and pay. Yeah. So I mean, once again, doing it at this level, I, I wanted to try to be as professional as possible. So, uh, you know. We made sure that we had professional contracts, and Roxy was great about this. She was she was mm-hmm. on those contracts, man. And and what that does is it holds people to their word. You know, you, you sign a contract, you're you're being professional. Um, we're paying them a rate that they are happy with. I mean, I had several folks that were like, "Well, I could probably do less," and I'm like, "You know, tell me what you're comfortable with because I want you to show up." And right. that's what happens if, you, if you're if you getting friends and you're begging, borrowing, and stealing, which you might have to do. I get it. Uh, but I looked at this as an investment. We can talk about that. But, you know, we found the pay that they were comfortable with. And so we do the contracts and we make sure we pay them. Uh, you know, I wanted to pay them right away. 
and because I wanted to work with these people again, so I want them to be happy. Uh, call sheets, same thing. I mean, it's a professional thing on every real professional production. Mm-hmm. So we made sure that we had our call sheets done, and you did that, and you've you know handled that perfectly. So you know, back to the investment thing. Uh, I look at this as if I'm doing this as a career, and I'm really serious and a professional. Uh, I was willing to invest some of my savings into this. And, you know, it would be a certain percentage of the overall budget of the feature that I would I will ultimately get to make. So I had to look at that as these are development costs. We're developing this project. Right. And I was willing to put this amount of money into it because it's the first thing I'm showing people. It's what I'm doing to try to get a deal, to try to get somebody else to invest much more money, you know, or a production company to take a risk on me. Uh, so, you know, I was willing to put the money in also, you know, it was a great education. You're working with professional people, you're learning stuff all the time. So it was self, you know, development as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I was going to say the call sheet. So wait, you said I did, I think Roxy oh, did, did she? This, uh, with studio binder, Oh, okay. which she also, sorry, I don't want to take any credit. No, but I was also going to say that she used studio binder with that and it, she had a way to send it out, email it oh, that's right. to yeah, yeah. everybody. Yeah. And it was very efficient. So yeah. you should put a link to studio binder. Yeah. It's a good piece of software. If you're a writer, director, filmmaker, you need to know about studio binder. And if you want somebody to teach you how to use it, Roxy, Roxy. is the person to go to. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. The last thing you have on here that I haven't mentioned is editing sound and picture. Yeah, so I touched on that a little bit uh, when I was talking about sound, and uh, our sound recordist, he did the editing for the sound. Um, I always normally edit my own stuff, but you know when you get to be more professional and, and bigger productions, you're most likely going to have an editor, and so I allowed somebody to, to give that a shot, and so that was interesting, and then we went and worked with him and finished mm-hmm. the edit together. Um, and you just have to... You have to have that in your schedule and in your budget to know that you've got to finish these things. You know, there's the color correction and color grading and all of that that goes along with it. Yeah, it was good to have three of us sitting in the room doing the color correction because it's almost like proofreading something. You know, two people can miss the same thing. It's good to have multiple different eyes. Yeah. All right, well, that was really the process. Was there any big things that really were your biggest takeaways uh, of it that you would want to really let somebody know before they get ready to do the proof of concept? I, you know, I think, I think the pre-production, I think as much as you can get done ahead of time, it's going to help you get a better product. It's going to make things go smoother. You know, as you said, several people mentioned on that crew, like, wow, this really went smooth. Um, the people, when I would show them the pre-production I had done, all of my shot list, the overhead views, the blocking, the pre-visualization, they were blown away. They're like, I work on like really major productions and they don't do this. So, you know, it was affirming to me to get that feedback and then on set for people to go, this really worked well together. A couple of people had worked together, but most people had not. And they all agreed that went really smooth. Yeah. Uh, so that allows you to get the best project or, or product in the end. And, uh, you know, another thing I'd say is just, you know, do it at whatever level you can. Um, because I think a proof of concept just really helps to get across the point to people who may not read the entire script, might not even read the entire synopsis. And it will just really help sell your project. 
All right. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for go go watch the behind the scenes right. that Jackson did. Yep, up on the screen. And then you'll see the proof of concept. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your feedback. All right. Get out there, go make your proof of concept. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs>